When you hear talk of the city of Jerusalem today, probably you and I think of one of the major, most influential cities in the world. We all know of Jerusalem, even various different religions we might be. Of course, at the the time of the Bible, even at the, the time of Jesus, Jerusalem was not a significant place. When, when Pontius Pilate gets assigned to be governor, he's literally exiled almost to the most little insignificant place in the Roman Empire. Not an important city, not anything to be sought at. And yet we, in the celebration of the Epiphany today, hear these descriptions of Jerusalem and, and Israel itself as a destination a place that people will seek out. The prophet tells us that all the the kings of the world are going to be drawn to Jerusalem. Everyone's going to seek out God's chosen people. And that really goes to the, the whole mission of why God's chosen people were chosen in the first place. It was so that as God revealed himself, especially to Israel, his chosen people, they would then be the cause for God to be revealed to the whole world. That's why people will will seek them out because they want to know the true God and they will recognize the way God has blessed Israel and they will therefore seek out the one true God. That's the the plan of God. And so in the epiphany today, we see, you know, a historical event manifest to that. That's what epiphany means. These three magi, kings perhaps, why, why are they seeking out the, the Christ child? Isn't it interesting that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the Messiah of Israel, the great King of David has come to his people and Herod, the, the reigning king, doesn't even know it. When they show up and they ask, well, where is, where is this king to be born? It's like, I don't know. Your whole job was to be ready for the Messiah when he came and you don't even know. And yet, even though Israel was not ready, as personified in Herod, the king, these foreign kings are, and they've come on a journey. I think this is a great example for how God intends his, his new chosen people, the church, to influence the world. We are given the gifts that we have as Catholics, as the church, not, not for our own selves, but that we might be the cause to draw other people to the one true God. I had a, a realization of, of this, I suppose, when I, I went to college. I, I grew up Catholic. I, I went to Sunday school. I suppose I learned the faith. But I don't ever really remember any homily that I would have heard all those years when they talk about, you know, making banners and butterflies in religious ed instead of learning the catechism, that was me. I actually made banners and butterflies, and I, I can't remember a thing I learned about the Catholic faith almost really in Sunday school. But then I got to college, and all of a sudden, the chaplain at the, the campus center, now Monsignor Vince Krishy, I remember he got up and he was preaching homilies. I'm like, I have never heard preaching like that. He was just giving us the Catholic faith. And I remember him telling us, I'm not gonna tell you what you wanna hear. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. He was such a a father to us as college students. And it it really 
opened my mind to the incredible treasures of our faith, the worthiness of our faith. I had never read books in my life. All of a sudden, I was, I was getting every book on theology I could get. Today, I mean, if, if you walk by and you look up to my room, people are like, we see all your books, Father. I never read a book in my life until Monsignor Krishi let me know that theology was worth reading about, that the, the history, tradition, the liturgy of our church, a worthy endeavor. It actually drew me to want to know this God more. That's the role of the, the church. I always kind of balk when people say, well, no one, no one was ever drawn to God through intellectual understanding. I think I was. I think Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, Ambrose, Albert the Great, that, you know, Dominic, <laughs> the, the great saints in the church, many of them fell in love with God drawn by the great wisdom, intellectual teaching, understanding of the world, science. All that can be a source to draw people to God. But I think we have to understand that, first of all, that is the mission, that the entire world, everybody in the world, would be drawn to the worship of the one true God. There are not multiple gods. There are certainly a plethora of religions in the world, but there's only one truth. There can't be multiple things that are true in opposite ways at the same time. There's one true God and he desires that all would be drawn to him. So to the extent that any other religions help people in, in shadowed ways to come to know the one true God, good, fine. We can find goodness and seeds of the word, as we say in theology, through, through everything. But ultimately, there, there might be different paths that people might walk to get to the one true God, but that's where we're headed. Does the church still realize that mission? I think that's a good question. Because in the past, the thing that set missionaries all over the globe was precisely because we knew Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. You must come, be baptized if you, if you know of Jesus. And people were willing to die. Think of the, the North American martyrs who, who came to this country willing to, to die to spread the faith to the, the natives that they encountered here because they knew everyone is meant to be drawn to God. They're meant to know Jesus Christ, baptism, the sacraments, his church. We're going to go everywhere to spread that faith, to help draw everyone to God. So we begin this, this new year. I think it might be good for us to kind of reflect on where, where are we at in that kind of mission of the church. Does the church still believe that we should help make the culture, word culture actually comes from word worship, cult, worship. Do we worship the right things as a culture? I, I think probably we could say, well, in large extent, no. We're perhaps more secular than ever, chasing after all kinds of things that the, the world would give. But, you know, such it's always been in that case. I mean, Rome with their bread and their, their circuses. The church flourished at a time when, yes, pagan society was going in every which direction. So to some extent, we shouldn't worry that a lot of the world is not Christian or even particularly religious. When I was at KU, it was, it was great because I, I expected probably that when I went out to class at the university, I'm, I'm going to get all kinds of secular worldly views, many of them false, 
not understood well in the light of God, but I would go to the St. Lawrence Center, I would learn the truth, and then the rest of the university was evangelization territory. I didn't expect that my professor of you know, Christian anthropology was going to have the same worldview that I did, but I knew I had the truth and I had to go bring it even to that, that class. I think sometimes today we are more willing to sit back and just kind of let things happen. Oh, the, the world's not going in a good direction. Well, I don't know, what, what can I do about it? Well, that's not the role of a Christian. It's not the, the role of the church. The, the problem is we can look at big problems and say, well, the world is less and less Christian. All right, fine, maybe. Do little things. You're not gonna make maybe one big change that all of a sudden the, the whole world will just convert overnight. Rather, it's, it's little things. And every decision I make, I, I have to say, am I, am I just going with the flow of the culture? Am I accepting what the culture says I have to do? Or am I willing to go against what I see happening to make up a, a little difference? I have to say that, at least especially here in the United States, Europe, a large extent, we are kind of accommodating the culture more than trying to, to change it. And if you, if you want a good example of that, just look at our calendars. Because on Epiphany, one of the traditional things is this is the day that we manifest the, the calendar for the year and days before we had printed ones. Well, just look at, uh, for instance, Holy Days. Today is the Epiphany, except it's not. <laughs> January 6th is the Epiphany. It's the 12 days of Christmas and then Epiphany. January 6th is Epiphany. But in the United States, we've said, well, you know, people are busy. They have other things to do. So in the United States, our bishops have said, we will transfer the Epiphany to Sunday because otherwise no one will go and no one will care. Same way with so many other feast days in the church. No one will go if it's not on a Sunday. So we, we transfer all the feast days to Sunday. And heaven forbid, if an actual feast day should happen on a Saturday or a Monday, well, we just cancel the obligation to go because probably no one will go. We saw that on New Year's. You know, yesterday was technically one of the holy days in the church, the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. Eh, but it was a Saturday, so we'll just cancel it. Nobody has to go. And you know what? A lot of people didn't go. Oh, we got other things better to do. We got football parades to watch. Now, some people come, but on the whole, we, just in just one example, we have an official policy in the United States from our bishops that our people just don't care enough about the church and holy things that we need to understand the culture that in our culture, people don't really want to go to Mass except on Sunday. We should probably kind of be thankful that they even come on Sunday. And all that, to me, kind of teaches that what we have in the church or teaching or sacraments, it, it's a little bit like trying to sell used cars. Like, we're going to try to convince you that maybe this is not quite so bad, that you should consider God amongst all the other cares and concerns that you have in the world. But that is just the fact of kind of how it is right now. It's not the way God wants it. And I, I can't help but, but think when I was this week, I was thinking of, you know, uh, those Christmas songs that I love. Then there's those songs that, Christmas songs you just think, this is my least favorite Christmas song. And I try to think, what would that be? There was a song that they, they did as a, a fundraiser back in the, the 80s, I think it was. Uh, it, it's called, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas? 
it, it, the, the chorus is beautiful. It's like, feed the world. Oh, it's beautiful. Except the, the words to this, it was all about a famine in Africa. And, and so the, this Christmas carol being sung by a bunch of northern white people from Europe and the United States, singing about the people in Africa. There won't be snow in Africa this Christmas. I, how just completely culturally insensitive because, well, for one thing, uh, most of Africa is in the Southern Hemisphere and it, it's summer. Uh, so that's a problem. Uh, the idea that there should be snow at Christmas and that's what Christmas is about. And then the terrible words, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Well, um, without all the presents and the commercialism and without even snow, the, the, the actual truth is, Boy, do they know it's Christmas in Africa because it's the fastest growing Christmas population, Christian population in the whole world. They definitely know it's Christmas in Africa because it's becoming the most Catholic place in the entire world. As Europe and the United States and Catholicism dies, Africa is, is booming and they celebrate Christmas because Jesus is born. It's attracting people all over to the truth of the gospel. Yes, they know it's Christmas in Africa. And pretty soon the whole Northern Hemisphere won't. Are we still willing to say that that is how God is meaning to work? To attract people, like we're singing songs about them as if like, oh, those, those people way far away in Africa, how sad they don't have snow for Christmas. You know, it, it's almost like the, the people in Jerusalem at the time of the Epiphany, like, yeah, Messiah, I don't know. We got better things to do. Meanwhile, these three magi, these people like we wouldn't expect, they're coming. The, the entire Southern hemisphere is being converted. We don't even know it. What are, what are we willing to do to make a change in this upcoming year, to manifest the presence of the Messiah and his importance? We've got much more here than simply used cars to sell. We've got the greatest gift that has ever been given. The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation, the gift of a life that not only is perfect in heaven, but the single best way to live life in this world in union with the one true God and his plan. Today on the transferred <laughs> Solemnity of the Epiphany, uh, what could be more perfect than that to say, I, I think large extent, our default is to accommodate ourselves to the culture right now, both individually, personally, and writ large as the church in America, at least. That's not working so well. So maybe a New Year's sort of resolution as we tie all that together, New Year's, would be let's just at least one little decision at a time say, is this decision made because God is the most important thing in my life and everything else has to revolve around him? Or am I trying to fit God in? That's a good way to start this new year. And depending on how you answer that question, you will be an epiphany. You will manifest something. Either we will continue to manifest that God's a nice thing among some other nice things, maybe, we are definitely manifesting that in our more secular culture. Or by going against the flow, by being like Monsignor Krishi all those years ago, who's willing to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the world what it needs to hear. Even if it's hard for me, I'm gonna go against the flow. Well, guess what? If you do that, you will be an epiphany. 
you will manifest to the world in a way that maybe you think is small and insignificant, like a, a little star that the Magi saw and said, hey, what's that? I think we'll follow it. Go be that little star. Just shine a little bit of your light. Say, this is me. This is my family. We will serve the Lord regardless of what the culture is doing. And you will be a manifestation, an epiphany that the world desperately needs.